And here we are in bonus time on Dr. Doctor. Andrew and I are with Paul Carson and John Gravenstein continuing our discussion about good news related to COVID. And the, the biggest good news I think most people want is lives returning to what we consider as normal. Do you guys remember last year, um, early on when we were debating whether or not masks were actually going to help at all? And now we, we oh, can yes, look at the influenza numbers, right? And uh, I talked to a friend of mine who works in the ER here locally. He has not seen influenza. We keep looking, can't find it. Um, so I think that we've got some really interesting, that's kind of a good news too, that a lot of the things that while they were annoying and imperfect, they helped a lot. I guess this is to, to kind of lead into a question for you, Paul. What do we get rid of first when we start going back to church as normal? Is it going to be the masks or the every other pew thing? Because I'm looking at the lobby and I'm not sure that there's that much distance out there that they're probably safer inside the church. Yeah, I you know, I don't I don't know that we have any anything that we can quantify that distancing is more important than masking. You know, they both work obviously together. I probably would agree with John that, you know, maybe we can start letting capacity limits go up first uh, while we continue to mask. At at some point, though, I think we need to sort of declare what's our end game here. And um, if it's if it's a, you know, cases per 100,000 population, you know, that we have a rolling average of X number of days, below this or percent positivity uh, or um, or um, vaccine has now been offered to everyone. And that's probably where I would land. Like if if we get to the point where vaccine has been offered uh, to everyone, everybody that, that is willing to take it uh, um, can get it. I, I think we, we start uh, kind of getting back to something that looks like normal. Paul, as far as masks goes, what if some of those older patients who haven't been to masks since last spring have been vaccinated? It's been two weeks now since their second dose. What would you advise them on the safety of them going back to masks? Say, you know, the 85-year-old who may have a comorbidity or not. Yeah, we just, uh, it's funny you, you mentioned this. We just had this conversation with a family member of my wife who's been doing masks online uh, um, since the beginning has been very nervous about it, where my mother-in-law who's 86 uh, is going to mass every weekend and feeling much better about it now that she's vaccinated. We just talked to this other family member, like, I think it's time, you know, you, you're now a couple weeks past your vaccine. Why don't you come with us? And, and she saw how well they were, you know, safely distancing in church and people were masked. And she was very happy coming back to just this last weekend for the first time. And, and sort of like, coming out of her shell again. Um, I think, I think that fully vaccinated elderly person, given the high percentage protection against severe disease, um, even though they might still get it, even though they might, might break through the high protection against severe disease should allow people to really start getting back out there again. That is wonderful news that we have. I guess kind of a follow-up, you know, off the air, we were discussing about, you know, how many people in the 65 and older category where largely it's been offered to them now, the percentage of folks who have taken it, and then the the remainder of folks who, uh, for the most part, a lot of them may have had it offered to them and they've chosen not to take it. 
if those numbers hold true, I guess, one, what are those numbers? And two, are we going to be able to reach herd immunity with those numbers or do we have to do better? So I can start with that. And, uh, um, you know, where we're at right now with uh, across the U.S. with the population over the age of 65, having at least one dose, meaning they, they, they're started the vaccination series, we're at about 60 percent. And um, I, I'm a little concerned that that's where it's going to sit. Um, that's about where we sit each year with that age group with the influenza vaccine. Um, and you can imagine it's not going to be higher than that as we get you know, to the younger and younger population. They're going to probably take it less. Um, that, in, unless, unless we've had lots and lots of people who've had the infection and natural immunity to natural infection is durable, um, in combination with, you know, however many we get vaccinated, if, if that's where we're going to land with vaccine, no, we don't get to herd, herd immunity with that. Um, when you look at the poll, recent poll numbers, about 25% of people say, I'm not getting the vaccine, not interested. And you got about another, um, <clears throat> oh, it's about another, uh, 21% or so. This was a recent Monmouth poll say, you know, I'm, I'm still going to wait and see we need the kind of looky lookies, wait and see people to jump in. Now it's time to get in the pool because um, we've got, uh, uh, as John already said, you know, 93, 94 million doses administered with a very robust safety monitoring system. We have multiple layers of safety monitoring in the U S these vaccines are safe. I mean, this is about as good as we, we can get. I mean, this, this looks very, encouraging even the early worries about anaphylaxis turns out to be maybe you know two to five out of a million uh, that's very manageable um, most of those are, are are able to easily be treated in the um, in, in, at the site where they're given the vaccine I think the wait and seers need to kind of get in the pool here um, uh, and that 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 could get us closer to herd immunity if they all did that John yeah, if, if the if the let's say the eighteen to fifty year old group, um, if that if that uh, percentage vaccinated never rises above forty or fifty percent, uh, we won't get to herd immunity. Uh, it's just that simple. Uh, you know, the disease will keep. You know, it, it'll it'll be a slow burn, but the disease will keep spreading. On safety, um, I've now seen three presentations from CDC about how how um, there have been no surprises with this vaccine. Um, you know, shots hurt, shots cause sore arms, shots cause uh, malaise for, you know, 24 hours. And that, you know, that's well, what was well known from the trials and it's been uh, borne out, you know, in, in, in common use and people bounce back and get back to work. Um, the, the CDC just showed results of the, um, its surveillance for rare events for Guillain-Barre syndrome, for heart attacks, for appendicitis, for um, thrombocytopenia, la lack of platelets, low platelets. Low platelets. Um, uh, uh, you know, uh, 10, 10 or 20 other uh, diagnoses that have lots of syllables <laughs> to, the, to their names and Latin roots. Um, and all of those events are happening uh, in unvaccinated, you know, they happen in unvaccinated people and they happen in vaccinated people at the same rate, which means there's no rise, there's no attributable risk, the vaccine isn't doing it, 
Um, and uh, th there now are 20 or 30,000 women uh, vaccinated while pregnant, and, th and they're following them. And, you know, wow. uh, uh, unvaccinated women have a certain rate of miscarriage. Guess what? Vaccinated women have the same rate of miscarriage. They don't have zero risk. They have the same risk. Uh, there's no attributable risk from the vaccine. In you know, doesn't it, vaccination does not cause miscarriage. Vaccination does not affect your fertility. You know, um, and and so you know, if people are throwing up, uh, the the vaccine's not safe. The vaccine hasn't been studied. They're they're blowing smoke. They're 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 looking for an excuse, not a reason, uh, because the solid science says that the vaccines are just fine. Now, I've heard of... Oh, go ahead, Paul. You know, I, John just uh, sparked a, a comment I wanted to, to make um, about uh, Andrew's earlier question about pediatrics and then the comment on pregnancy sparked a, sparked a thought. Pfizer's actually just, just announced at one of their um, uh, updates, they they have a trial that's been initiated, uh, phase... Um, Two to three uh, phase two slash three uh, uh, trial in pregnant women, uh, four thousand healthy pregnant women vaccinated at twenty four to th uh, twenty four to thirty four weeks gestation. So they're studying that formally. So we'll even have more robust data there. And they've also announced that they've um, they've got a phase three study in progress for children aged twelve to fifteen that they think will have uh, regulatory submission second quarter of this year. Um, wow. And they and, and they have initiated. Uh, they are planning to initiate in the spring or summer of this year a study in children age five to eleven, and uh, a study in children younger than five is expected to start late in 2021. So Pfizer, at least, um, is looking to formally study this down into very young ages of children and pregnant women as well. You know, I've been asked by a, a newspaper editor who wants an article. Uh, people are wondering, how will I know when it's safe to do the things I used to do? I mean, is the answer simple? Just listen to public health authorities. Uh, but if it is that simple, what are the public health authorities looking for? Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't think there's going to be, I don't think we're going to get like, a, oh, we're there, you know, we're done. Um, <laughs> it's kind of passed. I think this is going to be toe in the water, foot in the water. I'm kind of wading up to my knees now. I'm wading up to my waist. I'm, you know, up to my chest. And then I dive in. When will that be? Uh, I don't know, but I think we saw the first step of it here with the CDC guidance change yesterday. And I think we're going to, there's going to be a push. I mean, we need, we need updated guidance in our nursing homes now, uh, uh, you know, to where we can start. Where, how, do, how do we stop this loneliness, isolation and all of that so that, um, you know, that can be getting back to normal. Um, I, I think we'll, we'll see a big push with, uh, I mean, one of the biggest challenges in public health that I, my public health colleagues has been sp sports, high school sports, like, man, people want their kids playing sports and have really been frustrated with that being curtailed. I think that'll, that's going to sort of demand issuance of guidance. Okay. There's gatherings, there's people getting together, there's practices. That's, we're going to, we're going to have to see some direct uh, um, attendance to some of these things, certainly by late summer, early fall. And, and I think we're going to, I just think we're going to be in a much better place this summer. I think we're going to get the benefits of the seasonality. I think we're going to have most people who want to get a vaccine can, will have gotten one. Um, you know, I think I'll, I'll play good cop to John's earlier bad cop, you know, when John was talking about death rates being kind of the same as 
where we were in the summer, you know, de death rates are it's still there. And that's certainly a concern, but it's a trailing indicator. The case numbers are now lower, just inching lower than they were last summer. So I, I think we're seeing good things and no, as hopefully knock on wood, no early warnings of uh, things blasting off from uh, the new variants entering the United States yet causing problems. Knock on wood. <clears throat> Pray to God. <laughs> Better than knocking on wood. <laughs> John? Agree fully, uh, but I think that we will be settling in for, uh, you know, so we're going to we're going to lighten up, you know, come summer and fall, but it's not going to be gone. Um, you know, they'll, they'll, there's the, the counts will still be there because um, there still will be vulnerables and there still will be circulating virus. And so it'll be uh, an influenza that happens uh, all 12 months of the year, not just in the, in the winter. And and um, uh, and, and, and uh, the the more the public gets the vaccine, the less disease there'll be. But in places that um, you know that that uh, choose to ignore the vaccine, um, there's going to be there's going to be a, a greater uh, burden of disease. Paul, Infectious Disease Society of America has done a great job keeping track of various therapeutics. For COVID, what is the latest on both specific and non-specific treatments for severe disease? Yeah, we have a, we have a lot more options available to us now, and um, and that's really uh, again one of the good news stories. The Infectious Disease Society does a nice job of um, summarizing where we're at with those things and um, and uh, saying which ones they endorse and which ones they don't. You know, a few things have sort of fallen by the wayside. Uh, hydroxychloroquine, I think uh, I still get emails here and there, even from some doctors on this, but I think the nail's in the coffin on that. Uh, we're, we're up to, I don't know, 13 or 14 randomized controlled trials in pretty much every setting possible that shows it, it doesn't work. I wanted it to. I helped our state procure it, uh, but it, it just doesn't seem to have worked. I think we've got our first look at ivermectin, which is another one that's kind of been talked about. Now there was a, a, a small randomized trial that did not show any benefit there. Um, but the things that do work, um, so for early disease um, in people who are at high risk of progressing, we have some of these monoclonal antibodies, you know, the one that's sort of uh, um, abbreviated as BAM. And I, I always got to pull up the, the formal name here if you want me to say the whole thing. But BAM, you know, is, is one of the antibodies. And there's a couple others that are like that. Um, so if you're at high risk, outpatient, early infection, um, you can be referred in to get an infusion of those. And that's showed significant uh, um, decrease in risk of landing in the hospital. <clears throat> um, if, you, if you do get sick and land in the hospital, uh, we know that things like remdesivir, um, corticosteroids or, you know, um, hydroxycortisone uh, can, can help significantly prone positioning uh, for people. So that's where you lay them on their stomach. It redistributes the flow of blood in the lungs and the way the oxygen is uh, passed to, to help uh, people get through that. Um, uh, one that sort of uh, I'm, I've kind of found a bit interesting and curious is uh, an old drug, uh, fluvoxamine, which is an antidepressant. But it was noted in some earlier trials that it seemed to moderate sepsis or septic shock from bacterial infection. And that led uh, a researcher to, to kind of ask the question, might that help with this exaggerated immune 
response we sometimes get that causes the damage when people get really, really sick with COVID. And now there's two small, uh, actually randomized trials against a placebo that showed marked protection with fluvoxamine, a pretty safe uh, antidepressant OCD drug. Um, actually, Andrew probably knows more about it than I do. I've never prescribed it. Um, and now there's a large scale randomized control trial looking at that. And that's that's that was given to people with early mild infection to see if you could prevent hospitalization or severe progression. And it, and it looked really protective for those. So I think we've got several tools in the toolkit now that um, partially explain that marked decline in hospital mortality that we uh, talked about earlier. And John, what final news would you like to share with listeners or final advice do you have before we sign off for this month? Yeah, so the, uh, we can probably expect uh, another vaccine in uh, in a few months, maybe not, not in one month. The Novavax uh, purified protein uh, vaccine, you know, looked good in its interim analysis and they had to go back and collect some more data. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll probably get a fourth vaccine in uh, maybe two months. Uh, the AstraZeneca vaccine, which is also a adenovirus uh, uh, tainted cell line product is available in Canada. I'm not sure how far your uh, listening audience reaches. Uh, that just got uh, authorized in Canada a week or, week or two ago. Uh, that may come to the U.S., uh, in a, in a couple of months, so we, we're going to have more vaccine choices, and uh, hopefully, uh, uh, you know, the the ideal day would be when you can walk into your clinic and say, "I'll take that one, please." Uh, but we're not quite there yet. <laughs> and Paul, and what final I, advice do you have? Well, I just uh, I just want to follow up on what I didn't know that the Novavax vaccine might be reviewed as early as a couple months. So that's really good news. And John, correct me if I'm wrong, but that has no ethical issues or concerns at all, correct? Uh, none that I know of. I, I don't know. I don't know the assay part of it. We got to check on that. But uh, if it has a connection, it is extremely remote. Yeah, and is that I, one or two dose? It, now that's a two dose. Yeah. Is that similar then to the uh, Shingrix uh, shingles vaccine? Purified sort protein. Of. Yeah, it's a is a protein plus an adjuvant. Um, yes, it'll be a two dose in a two dose product. It's a really interesting one. They they embed multiple spike proteins on a nanoparticle, and it's, it's uh, was said to be highly immunogenic. Uh, you know, eliciting a very strong immune response. But uh, um, yeah, I'll, I'll be anxious to see the results of that one. Well, gentlemen, thank you for uh, staying on in overtime. Uh, we'll be back uh, next month with another. COVID update here on Dr. Doctor. Dr. Doctor is the official radio program of the Catholic Medical Association, whose members are dedicated to upholding the principles of the Catholic faith in the science and practice of medicine. The views expressed on Dr. Doctor do not necessarily represent those of your co-host or the Catholic Medical Association. Have a question for our doctors or a topic you'd like to hear about? Call or text your questions to the Holy Cross College text line at 260-436-9598 or fill out the form at drdoctor.org. Tune in for new episodes every Friday and find all our past episodes at drdoctor.org. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit spokestreet.com.